Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers nearly a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all and don't take into account each person's individual needs, which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. There were two more murders 15 miles away. They found the telephone. We described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird Some cases, while important to cover, contain layers of facts and information that make it difficult to relay, especially in my short-form episodes. But on December 20th, 1968, one of the nation's biggest mysteries began with the murder of two high school students at a lover's lane, one that I would be remiss if I didn't cover in my own brief way. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. The Zodiac Killer is one of those true crime staples that everyone knows. It was the name given to this still unknown killer who terrorized Northern California from the late 1960s into the early 70s, during which he claimed the lives of up to seven men and women though he claimed the number was 37. The name Zodiac was given after a series of taunting letters were sent to the press all over the area. Each letter claimed to contain his true identity, which was hidden in cryptograms and other ciphers. On this day in 1968, Zodiac took what is publicly known as his first set of victims. Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday were parked at a well-known lover's lane on Lake Herman Road at around 10.15 p.m. when they were approached by Zodiac. He ordered Jensen out of the car and, as Faraday began to exit, the killer shot him in the head. As Jensen attempted to flee, she was shot five times in the back before he got back in his car and drove off. 
the couple, who were on their first date, were found at 11 p.m. by a woman who lived nearby. He didn't claim any other victims that investigators were aware of until July 4th, 1969, when he gunned down another couple, Darlene Farron and Michael Maggio in Vallejo. They were shot at five times and several of the bullets passed through Michael into Darlene. The next day, a man called the Vallejo Police Department and took credit for the murder, as well as the murder of Jensen and Faraday six and a half months prior. The call was traced to a phone booth a few blocks away, but the man was already gone. Darlene Farron was pronounced dead at the hospital, but Michael Maggio survived being shot in the face, neck, and chest. He was able to give a vague description of his attacker. Between the ages of 26 to 30, 195 to 100 pounds, 5 foot 8, white male with short curly brown hair. Despite the survivor, Zodiac wasn't done taunting the police. On August 1st, three nearly identical letters arrived at various news sources, taking credit for the murders and containing a 408-symbol cryptogram containing his identity. They also carried out a demand. Print the letter in the paper, or he would kill again. All three letters were eventually published and police made a public request for more letters to prove that they were speaking with the killer in hopes that more clues would lead to his capture. More letters arrived that month, some of which contained confessions to murders police didn't know about, all to different news sources. All but one, cracked by Donald and Betty Hardin, remain unsolved. The letter that was solved contained a message in which the killer claimed to be collecting slaves for the afterlife, but contained no name and did not give his identity like promised. Then, on September 27, 1969, while picnicking at Lake Berryessa, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were approached by a man wearing an executioner's hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like piece of fabric covering his chest that contained the iconic circle-cross symbol. He had a gun in his hand and claimed to be an escaped convict who needed their car and money to flee to Mexico. He then took out pre-cut pieces of clothesline, asked Shepard to tie up Hartnell before being tied up herself. Then, with the couple secured, he pulled out a knife and stabbed them repeatedly before hiking back to the couple's car, drawing the symbol and the locations and dates of his previous murders in a felt-tip pen, and called Napa County Police on a payphone. Police were able to get a palm print off the phone, but have yet to match it to any of their suspects. Cecilia Shepard, who was conscious when help arrived, gave physical details of the attacker before lapsing into a coma and dying two days later. Brian Hartnell survived. Two weeks later, a man entered a cab and then shot the driver, Paul Stein, before taking his keys, wallet, and a ripped section of his t-shirt. Teenagers saw the man and called police. However, a mistake was made by the police dispatcher that left them searching for a black instead of white male. They even, according to accounts, drove past the killer and failed to stop him. Just two days later, a letter containing the ripped, bloody piece of shirt taken from Paul Stein was mailed to the San Francisco Chronicle. This was the last official kill by the Zodiac, though he continued to communicate with authorities for the remainder of 1970. Over the years, the case of the Zodiac killings has had an estimated 2,500 suspects, but despite witness description and prints, none have truly panned out. 
a book released by Robert Gray Smith named Arthur Lee Allen as Zodiac based on circumstantial evidence. He was brought in for questioning many times. His home searched, but nothing concretely connected him to the case. Also suspected was Jack Terrence, suggested by his stepson after he found a hood similar to the one worn by Zodiac. A disbarred lawyer claimed a client confessed in 2009, and History Channel suggested it was a newspaper editor named Richard Gakowski the same year. Then there was the connection to George Hodel and the Black Dahlia, as well as some who think the Unabomber himself was the killer. These are just a few of many suspected. The case has been inactive and reopened a few times, and the constant development in DNA leave many hopes for a solution. Maybe one day soon, we will finally know who the Zodiac Killer really was. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 21st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.